0: RunAsRadio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, a talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 638, Making Microsoft Teams Effective with guest Melissa Hubbard. Recorded Thursday, April 4th, 2019. Run As Radio is produced each week by Sound Thoughts LLC. For more information, visit SoundThoughtsLLC.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Thank you, Brandon. This is Richard Campbell and thanks for listening to Run As Radio. With me today is Melissa Hubbard and Melissa is a digital workplace expert that is passionate about driving organizational productivity and collaboration using the Microsoft platform. She's the author of Mastering Microsoft Teams, a guide to using, governing and driving user adoption in Microsoft Teams. She's experienced in managing projects throughout the entire life cycle, as well as developing and implementing solutions, user adoption, governance, and training are topics she's especially passionate about. Thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: Hi, thank you for having me. really excited to be here.
0: Oh, my pleasure. And and the, the Teams thing's been bugging me for a while, because I've got enough dev chops that I spent a lot of time in Slack, and certainly I've had this experience of just too many channels, too many options. Everybody's everywhere. Like, are, are these things a bit out of control?
1: Uh, yeah. So in some organizations, they have become a bit out of control. Where are we collaborating on what subject right. and what is happening? When do we use what?
0: Yeah. For how long have we been battling over? We can't get anybody and Now we have so many collaboration choices. It's like, I want to collaborate. I just can't find anybody.
1: Yes. And let's keep it in control of our IT department so we don't have shadow IT like, evil Slack channels that no one knows about right. that we talk about all our secret stuff in.
0: <laughs> Which is super easy to set up, too, right? It reminds me of uh, of other tools in, in years gone by where people, you know, an individual department just did it themselves, and IT finds out about it later.
1: Yeah, so I come from a SharePoint consulting background. I started off in government consulting. Um, so I actually came in after... After so many different SharePoint sites and site collections had been created and then locked down. So I think with Microsoft Teams, um, SharePoint consultants are seeing kind of the same trend where we start off letting everyone create all the things and collaborate and get your work done and let's not stop you to, oh, we've got a big mess now. We need to figure out a way to control this and we need to clean up the mess that we have. So um, this is why I felt passionately to start the discussion of governance and user adoption and teams pretty early on in the game, I saw these similarities between the SharePoint sprawl, shall we call sure. it, way too many SharePoint sites and a team
0: sprawl. Yeah, I, I get that that would be similar. And so the real question for me then is, is the sprawl inevitable and perhaps even good because you get people engaged and then you rein them in? Or can you set down governance right off the bat? Or is that actually an inhibitor?
1: So this is quite the discussion, and Mm -hmm. I don't think there's one right answer for any organization. That's my uh, consulting lingo, right there. So Um, it depends. Did you really go? It depends. (laughs)
0: Just like that. Five minutes in, already it depends. (laughs) Yes, it depends.
1: Um, And so, uh, actually, with the Microsoft Teams product team. Um, I've had a lot of discussions around this. Um, They feel strongly to let everyone create the teams that they need. Um, Let there be an organic growth. You don't want to stop people. You don't want to have this be an IT managed thing where you have to go through a formal process to get a team created. However, um, I can tell you that a lot of organizations uh, want that. They do not want everyone to be creating teams. Um, You know, it's, it really depends on it depends on mm-hmm. the size of the organization, the the knowledge the organization has, the maturity as far as collaboration. What we're finding is that large organizations want to lock down who creates teams uh, before rolling it out, mm-hmm. and also want to have a formal process for teams provisioning. There are some tools popping up uh, that can help you with this. Um, however, for some smaller organizations, that doesn't make sense. Um, but the team's product team will tell you that there is uh, actual data out there that shows that locking down teams and having it be IT managed as to who gets a new team will greatly hinder your user adoption. So it's definitely something you want to think through.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting to think, what's enough chaos that you you allow sort of organic growth and then rein it in so it doesn't do damage? Are people concerned about the security and information or just that they just want order everywhere?
1: Uh, So, you know, that's Microsoft's big selling point on Teams compared to... Uh, WhatsApp or Slack is that you've got that Microsoft-backed security and right. data loss prevention policies. You know they're they're adding more and more to that. There's the big, you know, nice admin center where you have a lot more control um, from the IT standpoint. And I think there is the fear of are we sharing too much information, and um, and also just all of the things that we're creating on the back end with the SharePoint site collections and exchange mailboxes, how are we managing that? Um, Because it can become overwhelming even as an end user. Like you said, where do we do what, where are we working on what? Right. We've now got three teams where some of my team members are talking about this topic in this team. Some mm-hmm. are talking about it in this other team. How do we merge that together? Right now, there's no way to move conversation messages around uh, in Microsoft Teams. Right. Hoping that will be coming.
0: Yeah, and interesting about that governance piece is, so there is tooling there for me as an administrator to manage these conversations and, and be able to have a sense of what how it's being used?
1: Uh, so there is um, an admin center which can give you some usability reports. Um, you can see all the different teams um, and team members. Um, that capability has been being added over time.
0: Mm-hmm. But it's still coming, right? This is not a mature uh, aspect of Teams yet.
1: Uh, yeah, I would say it's uh, a teenager.
0: Okay, that's fair. I, I, <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. I There's another angle on this, and I, I hope we're not going too far off the beaten path, but it's a, certainly a conversation I've been having lately, both about Slack and about Teams, where how much of our interaction in these tools is about culture in an organization versus collaboration in an organization or work in an organization Hmm. i don't know if you have an opinion on that because it's it 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 does seem like the water cooler talk is a non-trivial chunk of these kinds of tools and yet anytime we get a chance we're all about building culture and if this is actually a useful cultural building tool then why not accept that as part of the process
1: yeah i i've seen um A lot of success that organizations have had by having that either water cooler team or water cooler channel, especially for remote teams or uh, teams that are split in a lot of different offices and don't see each other in person. The ability to use the gifts and emojis and stickers um, and to be able to chat with each other. that isn't trivial that is team building and if we feel comfortable and are able to express ourselves and animate our emotions in any way um, that is going to help us work better together as we get to know each other better so um, I would say that that is an important aspect of teams Um, I I say that usually stays in a separate team Mm -hmm. however When you're working together to solve a problem, being able to express your emotions uh, remotely is important as well.
0: Yeah, no, super useful.
1: If you can tell someone to do something or say there's a problem and add a funny gift to it. Maybe it goes over better yeah. and maybe the problem gets solved quicker. <laughs> That's yeah. how people work. You know, it, this is a tool for people.
0: Yeah. And anything we can do to make that communication more clear. I'm, I, I first fell in love with this concept long before Slack and and Teams with stuff like IRC. And for me, the most valuable part was that we could keep the log, that we would actually do an install of an upgrade or to a product and then have the entire log of dealing with that process so people could read it. Do you see much effort around policies for retaining logs, how we actually share that information after the fact? Is that an important part of using Teams?
1: So the best example I... Um, can think of if I'm understanding um, this topic correctly mm-hmm. is if you have a new team member right. onboarded. You know, I, I work in IT too. I'm a project manager. We mm-hmm. have developers come on and off of our project quite frequently, depending on the skill set needed for the project. And I see a huge time saver of that log of decision making sure. that we've been having in conversations. Um, and Also having files right there along with those conversations, um, possibly having lines of code, which you can have snippets of code in Microsoft Teams with the comments right there in Teams. It saves a ton of time onboarding people trying to forward email messages where maybe we decided something. Maybe those emails have been forked to other people and I don't even have those email messages. And I'm not sure if I have the right version of files to send someone. Um, That's, that's where I see that coming into play the most um, from my experience.
0: Awesome. And it's to give something that or that new person, rather than having to ask questions constantly, the fact that they have things to read, they can sort of get them on the speed of how we actually do stuff, because you can look at the conversation we had as we did these things. I think that's very compelling. I've also had the experience of being able to show like a senior manager. Here is the actual log of the diagnostics of an outage. And how long it took us to figure out what the problem was and how long it took us to actually recover from it. Like the, the timestamps and stuff were really valuable for that. And it helped us get funding for better diagnostic tools because we realized hey, it was an outage for two hours and 90 minutes of it was just figuring out what was wrong.
1: Yeah, it really gives you insight into how your team is working and spending time on things and troubleshooting, I, I hadn't thought about that in that way. And that's a really great point.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a very cool aspect of anytime we can have the actual truth of what happened. It also lends itself to being remote, that we have to type to each other, that we're using a tool like that. So you naturally get that dialogue, which is weird because you always know, thought if everybody's working in the room together, we'd be faster.
1: <laughs> yeah, I like how Teams has Um, kind of those aspects of all of your different relationships you might have had um, in the office but the digital version Um, like you have your formal meetings that you can schedule and you can have your video and and things like that Uh, you have your one-on-one calling and video calling so Mm -hmm. if you were to um, set up a private meeting with someone but you also have those kind of drop-ins like if you're sitting at your cube and it's, hey, uh, you know, you have your me- your chat for that. And then even if there's a team emergency of, hey, we all need to go heads down on this problem, you can do a meet now in right. the channel. So it's almost like it thinks of all of those different scenarios that could happen in the like in-person workplace but makes the digital version.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so the the tooling is starting to line up with all the ways that we would actually work with that. Do you see many updates to teams? Like how quickly are they working on this right now?
1: Oh, all the time. Um, You know, it really is updated and changed quite a bit. Uh, Change management has become a real issue for IT departments. Um, That's one thing my my company has been helping our clients with is how do you keep up with these changes and communicate them to everyone and uh, do an impact assessment on how it's going to affect your um, environment. Um, It changes very quickly. Um, Just recently, there was a ton of new uh, announcements made. I don't know how their team works so quickly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And is the on-premises side up to speed or is this really still office 365 all the way?
1: I, believe it, it's Office 365 all the way.
0: Okay. So it, this is what you're looking at is you're on Office 365. It's part of Office 365. You know, I, I think back to like Skype for business. I don't know how that became a legacy term, but that that we actually had an awful lot of infrastructure on-premises because it was also an awful lot of our calling systems too. But Teams seems to be subsuming all of that.
1: Yes. And I am, I'm glad to say that I have uh, moved almost all of my work into the cloud and i'm doing very few on-premises things so uh, if they're I, I don't keep as up to speed on that yeah side you of don't things.
0: you don't want that work <laughs>
1: no I don't I worked hard to get out of that work actually yeah
0: yeah no I, I totally appreciate that and it, and it is a super valid point of this is one of the many perks of going to an 0 0365 subscription is I mean, teams is just part of it Right. So I just need a moment here from Melissa for this very important message. You've got Windows, Windows 7 and Windows 10. They're domain joined and non-domain joined. They're on-premises and always on the go. And it's your job to make them more secure. But stay calm. That's why you've got Policy Policy PolicyPack increases your Windows security with your on-premises and roaming PCs. Remove local admin rights, manage all the security settings in your browsers and Java, and tame the Windows 10 start screen and taskbar. Got machines out in the field without the latest group policy settings? Then use PolicyPack Cloud or your own MDM service to deploy real group policy settings to those machines, only with PolicyPack. Get your free trial today and learn a secret weapon that hundreds of administrators use to manage and secure their Windows 7 and 10 desktops, both on premises and out in the field. Head over to policypack.com to get started today. PolicyPack, securing your standards. And we're back. It's Run As Radio. I'm Richard Campbell. This is my guest, Melissa Hubbard. And we're talking a little bit about Teams. And I, I want to dig into your book, uh, Mastering Microsoft Teams. Do you have some advice for what organizations should do to use Teams effectively?
1: Uh, yeah. So I definitely have some advice. Um, and again, this book, it's called Mastering Microsoft Teams, but it's really mastering the product from an end user slash business owner standpoint so this will teach you how to use microsoft teams as well as give you ideas on user adoption and governance mm-hmm. um, and again uh the tool has changed quite a bit from uh the published date so we're actually hoping to do some updates to the book soon um but for the most part you're you're still going to benefit from the content there um so one the first thing first is you need to identify your business need for Microsoft Teams. As much as I love it and I think everybody should have it and use it. Right. And I've seen so many benefits, you really do need to have that business need and you need to decide what you're going to use it for. Um there are a lot of other tools in Office 365. Mm-hmm. There's Yammer, there's SharePoint. Those things haven't gone away. So figuring out um your internal collaboration needs and then also taking a look at what you're using um, for your calling and meetings and chat and deciding what you're going to do because that's first things first, decide what features of Teams you want to use. We're lucky enough that it is very customizable so you can turn things on and off. Mm -hmm. You can do this from you know the tenant level for the whole environment or there are a lot of settings just for individual Teams. Um, and then going back to our discussion of having an idea for teams provisioning, meaning are you going to let everyone create teams and channels? And if you are, what is your training plan going to be? Right. Because you, you really need to train because if you just turn Microsoft Teams on and don't change any of the settings, every single person who has a license will be able to create as many teams as they want. And then they become the team owner by default. So that means you probably want to train everybody as a team owner and you definitely want to have uh, some very clear guidance on when it is appropriate to create a team versus a channel. Mm-hmm. And our book gives uh, quite a bit of advice about that. Um, you know, when, when do you need a team? When do you need a channel?
0: So what, what do we, how do we define the differences between a team and a channel?
1: So a team for right now, uh, I'll get to the, big announcement that was recent, but for right now, um, your access is controlled at the team level um, and then you create your channels within a team and for that one team, you get a SharePoint site collection and your files are then organized in a document library. Um, Each channel gets a folder in that library. Um, The settings um, for guests and for um, GIFs and emojis and several other settings are at the team level. Right. Um, and so, yeah, the, the big announcement that I know a lot of people were waiting for was for the private channels. This was uh, a huge ask. I think it was number one on uh, User Voice, which is where people vote for what features they want added to a product. Um, private channels. We all did a cheer. Uh, Very recently, um, more information um, was given to us about private channels. We've known that Microsoft's been working on it for a while. So now um, we know that it's coming to um, general availability pretty soon and you'll be able to limit who from a team can see a channel's content. So we'll be able to change that access point from there. This is really gonna greatly change um, some of the governance pieces, um, and i I expect that this will help there be less teams created.
0: interesting. yeah. and of course, how private is private. this is still a company, and there's certain responsibilities that, that company has to the information flow within it. So yeah, I, I mean, I, I appreciate privacy, but I also appreciate my obligations I have around it.
1: true. and all of the you know security and data loss prevention policies and e-discovery. Um, those features will still apply to private channels. Sure. Um, then they also uh, announced the idea of information barriers. Right. So this is a new concept for me where you would actually want to avoid conflicts of interest within an organization by limiting who individuals can communicate with. So you could keep different departments separate and not allow them to communicate and collaborate with each other in Microsoft Teams. So this was uh, an, uh, announced recently that there will be a feature added um, to meet this, this
0: business need. Now I could certainly see that for certain legal things, but for me the biggest one that's made it different for companies I've worked with has been keeping folks working on new features of a product and sales people from talking to each other. Because salespeople, you want them to sell the product they have, rather than the product that might be coming in a year. And as soon as they know about a product coming in a year, they keep selling the new thing. And it can be very fresh. Like it, it could seriously hurt sales if they're have got if they they're too hooked on it. So it's just like, listen, while we're still developing stuff, you got to kind of keep it from the sales force because it's not time to talk about it yet. We don't know when it's going to surface.
1: That's true. And, you know, I could see um – you know, once you have that information or you're able to read updates in a team, it might be hard when you're in the heat of a conversation um, during a sale to remember what what's actually in the product
0: and what's yeah. coming.
1: So, yeah, that's yeah, great
0: no, it's a, it's a real serious conflict of interest. And the, and the simplest solution for me has always been sales folks know about what's shipped, not what's coming so that they don't mm-hmm. sell things we don't have. Because I've also you know, we've all had that experience. Sometimes the feature doesn't come together. And if you've sold it and people are waiting on it and it's like, well, it's just not coming, then they don't buy. And that's bad. <laughs> and we, then we're not <laughs> in business anymore. You know, like There's serious consequences, that kind of conversation. But yeah, I think it's an interesting line of, yeah, we want our company to collaborate, but there's certain pieces where you want to have some restrictions too.
1: Yes. Ethical walls, I believe, was the other term I heard yes. for this. But Microsoft is calling it information barriers.
0: Information barriers. At least they're intentional, mm-hmm. not just everywhere. You have know, the right ones in the yes. right places. Uh, I do want to jump a little bit back to that. What features do you use? What what do you need? The presumption if you're using Teams is it's about collaboration. It's just how does your organization want to collaborate?
1: Right. It's meant for that smaller team collaboration. Right. Um, you can create a team for your whole um, enterprise. If it's under, I think five thousand is the magic number right now. I hope I'm right on that. Right. Um, but it's you can create a team for your entire enterprise if it's under a certain amount, which I believe is five thousand at mm-hmm. the at the moment. Um, however, there is Yammer and there is SharePoint. So Yammer, um, in theory, is for your large enterprise uh, discussions and information sharing because um, it gives visibility for everybody mm-hmm. that's part of an organization. Um, so Teams is you know locked down at the team level uh, for your more internal collaboration and communication. I do want to say that you can use Teams without even using the collaboration piece. You don't have to even create any Teams to be using Teams for the calling and chat and meetings functionality. Yep.
0: Okay. So it doesn't have to be for the collaboration piece. There are other aspects to it. Right. And I, and I also like your position as sort of like, look, there's a role for Yammer too. It's not either or.
1: Exactly. And also um, Yammer can now be used right within Teams, which is interesting. Oh. So you can Yammer in a tab right in Team.
0: Yeah. I'm worried if that, whether or not that's confusing or not. Anything else in the book we should really know about before we run out and buy it?
1: Hmm. Let's see. <laughs> so basically just Know that this should give you an end-to-end guide on how to use Microsoft Teams and the different features that are available, as well as some great guidance on um, how to govern and drive user adoption for the business owner.
0: Yeah, I think there's got to be a great balance there where I want everyone to have enough freedom that they want to use it, but I don't want this to get terribly out of control. I mean, you said the default configuration is everybody can create a team. Is that actually a good practice or do you really want team leads creating teams and nobody else?
1: You know, that's as far as best practice, that will really vary widely depending sure. on who you ask. And uh, I have to admit, my, my way of thinking has varied a bit when Teams was first released. It was no way. You need to change that setting right away. Do not let everyone create teams. You're going to have a huge mess. But I'm almost convinced by the team's product team that you should, if you can, leave it open and just provide a whole lot of guidance. Hmm. So there are things that you can do on the back end to keep it from becoming such a great mess, such as having naming conventions.
0: Um, When do you delete a team? I presume you can, but there's got to be a point at which you say, well, this, this particular group or this team doesn't make sense anymore. Do we actually delete it or do you archive it? Like, where does that go?
1: So you can archive it. And if you delete it, um, you delete everything that comes with it, the SharePoint site collection, the exchange mailbox, et cetera, mm-hmm. all the conversations. Um, I mean, if you've totally duplicated a team and you have all of the information somewhere else and no one has used it um, beyond a certain amount of time and you don't have to worry about an e-discovery period or legal hold or things like that, then I say delete it.
0: But it sounds like most of the time, if it got used, you're probably not deleting it, you're archiving it. Yes. And what does archiving really mean? Where does it go?
1: Archiving just means that you can read the information from the team, but you can't add anything while it's archived you can actually take it out of archive pretty easily interesting so it just keeps you people from adding new things
0: inappropriately
1: it's actually um a recommendation if you realize you have kind of these this duplicate teams thing happening where Mm -hmm. you've got two teams where people are discussing the same types of things archive one get the link from that and make sure everyone in the other team has a link to it. Right. And then just keep going and you're one team and don't delete that information. People can read it, but
0: just stop it. So sort of like, yeah, we're not talking here anymore. This conversation now goes on over on this team and that, that sort of directs everybody to the same place. Yes. But I can also imagine making a team specific to a project. And when that project is completed, you want to turn it off. Nobody else should be contributing to that anymore.
1: Exactly. You don't want people going back in. They should be focused on, their new
0: project. Mm -hmm. And are there different tiers to teams? Like, is there a a premium product you you can buy from Microsoft? Is it simply just included with your office 365 subscription?
1: So there's the office 365 subscription, but that's not going to include your calling plans. Um, So you can make internal calls with teams that come with office 365. But um, if you want some of those more traditional Skype for business functionality, where you can type in a phone number and call and, and those types of things. Mm -hmm. And you'll need a calling plan, which is an additional uh, fee. And there's also a free Teams version that you can use, which doesn't include um, all of the features, but it's still nice to, to use. You might not want to use that for your entire enterprise, though. Um, There's also the education version of Teams, which I have not really focused in because I'm not in education. But that has a lot of cool things where you can turn in your homework and does the assignment grading and stuff like that. So
0: That's very cool. There
1: are different versions.
0: But I do like this idea that you could have a team with an external, with a non-employee, and you could have that person included. They don't have to have an Office 365 subscription to be able to use it.
1: Uh, That is true. Yes.
0: Yeah. Heck, I've done that with Microsoft. You know that they've they've asked me to be part of a team on a project, very much that case, and it's like I'm not an employee, so but I can have access to it, and and it works.
1: That is one uh, piece where I can see improvement being needed, Mm -hmm. is when you you're part of a bunch of different Microsoft Teams environments, and you need to actually. Put in a different username and password to get into that team. Yes. Um, switching around is very painful. Although I believe it hits us consultants more than anyone else because we're the most likely to be in a lot of people's teams' environments. Um, but that, it, it really truly is painful.
0: Yeah, I certainly had that experience. I have that experience in general with Azure right now where I have too many accounts and it's just, a, it's a challenge to keep them all straight. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially, I think it's almost a byproduct of hanging around with Microsoft too long that you end up with o- old accounts, accounts, ad- you know, attached to different countries. Like, ugh, it's not pretty. It's, it's amazingly yeah, hard I'm problem. Like,
1: I- I'm logged into teams in two different laptops on any given day. And then also use the, um, Chrome incognito tab so that I could be in more teams environments. Um, <laughs> But it's not the best.
0: Yeah. And I think it's a side effect of being a consultant. You know, if you're working for a company that has Teams as part of it, that's probably the only Teams account that that particular person is going to use. I think this is a problem specific to folks like you and I who bounce between organizations who use Teams across a number of different companies and you end up with an array of accounts.
1: Yes. I think that's why it's probably not been on Microsoft's number one priority list to fix.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We are the exception case, and we are suffering, but we're not the priority. <laughs> we're also
1: the loudest.
0: Yes, we're and very noisy. the most
1: user voice yeah. topics, so they know that too.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I, and I appreciate that we're not win just by being noisy either, that it's good for the company, it's good for the organization that they resist this small vocal minority that do weird things with their products, where the average, the vast majority of their users just don't bang into this problem. Well, yeah, I agree. Uh anything to wrap up with Melissa what have we missed what what other great things are in teams that we just haven't thought about yet
1: Uh so there have been uh quite a few announcements as I said mm-hmm. as recently as a few weeks ago, which will probably, you know, be a month or so ago by the time you're listening to this. Mm -hmm. But the new calendar app for meetings is something I'm excited about because it'll give you that more traditional Outlook calendar look for your meetings where you can see things by the day, week, and month. Um, Another really cool thing is the backgrounds for meetings. So you can select a background image. So you, not only do we have the popular background blur, we will now have um, customizable backgrounds. So you can have a nice pretty desk or whatever, your beach in your background right. and be able to customize it that way. Also, the uh, Microsoft Whiteboard has been incorporated now into Teams. Well, it's been announced that it will be incorporated into Teams. So you can create a new board and a Teams meeting and share it and be drawing and all that fun stuff. Um, Those are the the main things I wanted to also touch upon that I was excited about.
0: That's awesome. Yeah.
1: Besides private channels. And private
0: channels. Yeah. It's interesting. The calendar (laughs) problem just keeps coming around. Sharing calendars is hard. There's no two ways about it. it. Continues to be hard.
1: Yeah, calendars are hard.
0: Well, Melissa, thanks so much for coming on the show. I appreciate your enthusiasm around Teams. It does seem to be this proliferating product now.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely really excited about Teams. It's one of those things I can talk about and truly 100% believe that my workday is so much better thanks to Microsoft Teams. So I really appreciate you having me and letting me share my knowledge it's Been fun.
0: Awesome. And we'll talk to you next time on Run As Radio.